There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. An Erio's Original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert Professor Lisa Battelle. Dr. Lisa Battelle is a dean's professor of religion and professor of religion and history at USC. She has focused her studies on the social, cultural, and religious history of medieval Europe and has written four books about religion and gender in early medieval Europe, as well as one book about modern visions. Let's hear what she has to say about the beheading of St. Valentine. Hello, Professor Battelle. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very excited to do so. (laughs) So... If you could please set the scene for us in in 2000, sorry, in 260 AD, what was going on within the Roman Empire? How big was their landhold? Well, the empire was kind of a mess in the mid third century. They were having what historians now call the crisis of the third century. And it was a series of sort of disasters. There were barbarian so-called hordes, troops, families, I don't know, moving into the empire from Germanic territory because the emperors of that time were too busy fighting wars in Persia to the east to delegate too many of their legions to Germania. Um, 
And there were a series of military coups, really, assassinations of the various emperors, one after another. Um, And there were several emperors at a time in this period. The the empire itself was quite divided, um, although it was still pretty much as large as it had ever been, you know, reaching from the edge of Scotland all the way down to the south of Spain and towards Persia and into Germania. So big, but fractured. And then there was a a sort of climate shift and things got rainy and cold. So there weren't as many crops to feed the population. And the the final thing was a plague called um, Cyprian's plague. And that followed on a previous plague too. And there were probably smallpox or influenza or something like that, but a lot of people died. Uh, So it was a mess. Wow. Century. And then here you have these people becoming Christian, all sorts of ethnicities in all sorts of places, and they're a, a subversive group. Yeah, that, that was my next question. Did, did the Roman Empire have an official religion at the time? Oh, no, not at all. Everybody oh. had their own, their own gods. And when the Romans went into conqueror territory, they basically left the infrastructure of religions alone, except... They built their own temples to their own gods, um, those high pantheon gods like Zeus, you know, uh, Jupiter and so forth, and to the gods of Rome. And the thing is, once the emperors after Julius Caesar began to be these sort of semi-divine figures and were made official gods after their deaths, joining the state cult that uh, made sacrifices annually to the emperor gods became part of the politics. I mean, you really couldn't separate the cult and the politics, the emperors and those particular gods. So it was like swearing the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, or singing, you know, the national anthem at a ball game. And wherever there was a, a substantial government uh, population, a governor, tax collectors, whatever, and, and temples that kept the cult of the emperors, people had to come out and swear allegiance basically, to the emperor. And the ones that wouldn't do that were the Christians. Oh. (laughs) I'm like, oh. They were the flag burners. (laughs) So, Um, you know, you could be a Christian and not put yourself out there. You could just go and swear and, you know, apologize to your God afterwards. Um, But the real zealots went out and protested and got caught. So who, who was Claudius II? How did he come to power and what did he attempt to do during his reign? Uh, mostly he just wanted to kill Goths. Um, <laughs> he himself was one of these newly built emperors. He rose through the ranks of the army. He wasn't born in Rome per se, in the center of Rome. He came from the, you know, the boondocks. Um, and uh, it was after a battle of his predecessor, I think, when the predecessor, I forgot, I think he refused to sack a city of his enemies or something like that. His own army um, killed him and asked Claudius to become their new leader. So Claudius became sort of the military dictator of one part of the empire for a while. And he was good at it. And he was a good soldier. And he had some um, nobility in his background that connected him to previous emperors. So he was in a fairly good place for that period. And he was mostly on the campaign trail. I don't mean running for office, but killing Goths um, while he was emperor. And it was just brief that he was emperor. 
What when you say he was killing goths? What are you referring to? <laughs> um, I'm referring to to an army of people from sort of Central Asia who um, were trying to move into Roman territory. I see. So okay, one of I- these so-called barbarian hordes. I went right to my middle school days to my goth friend. <laughs> People with black hair and eyeshadow. Um, so is, is it true that he forbid uh, men from uh, who were fighting from marrying? Nope. Okay, tell me more. In fact, it was quite legal by that period for soldiers to marry. Um, oh. Nor did he decree any particular persecutions on Christians as emperors before him and after him, Diocletian did. So he, he just really was worried about maintaining the empire. Okay, so when do we start seeing St. Valentine pop up in history? And if you could clarify, how many St. Valentines were there at the time? Well, at the time is the big question. <laughs> I mean, if you go to the, the calendar of Catholic saints, the official one, our Valentine, the one we think of today, isn't on it any longer. But if you go to the old lists of saints, there are loads of Valentines because, you know, it's a name that means, Valens means, you know, um, sort of uh, strong and, and proud and competent, um, brave. So um, in the period that St. Valentine, the one we know, supposedly lived, there were two, three contenders, really. And two are kind of suspiciously the same. And the only way we know this is not from anything written in Valentine's period. This is lives of saints that were written hmm, probably in the fifth or sixth century when uh, churchmen were sort of cleaning up Rome, finding the martyrs' bodies, building shrines to them, writing their origin legends. So they thought of, they found um, three Valentines for February 14th. That's three men named Valentinas who were executed on February 14th by ancient evil pagan Romans. And one was a, a general actually in Northern Africa. And all we know is that he and his troops were killed for being Christians. That's all it says okay. in the, the documents. And then the other two are, are the ones who are similar One was a bishop from uh, what is now Terni, the city in Italy, uh, who supposedly was called to Rome to help cure the foster daughter of someone important and who tried to proselytize, tried to convert the whole household. In fact, according to his legend, he succeeded. Uh, And the authorities found out about it. Christianity on that level was um, illegal. So they beat him up and took his head off. And he was buried supposedly either on the road out of Rome to his hometown or back in, in Terni. And the other one was a priest of Rome, priest Valentinus of Rome, who had a similar story. He was put in jail for trying to proselytize, and um, he converted his jailer after he healed the jailer's daughter and anybody else who was hanging around. And then he was beheaded and buried in the Via Flaminia. So... It's probably likely that those two originate from the same person, if there really was actually a, a man, a martyr, who was Valentinus, who was killed that day. Huh. What is the deal with February 14th? So are, are we supposed to believe that they all died on February 14th? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the day that um, Catholics and previously all Christians uh, celebrate uh, feasts 
uh, a feast day for the saint. It's the, the day of his death, the day that guy was lucky enough to go be with Jesus in heaven. Um, mm. And it derives from earlier um, family celebrations of death days in Roman cemeteries. But um, it was a, a day to pay your respects to the saint. And I know there's a rumor, and I bet you're going to ask me a question about this. <laughs> but later on in the 20th century, some scholars speculated that mid-February, there was a Roman holiday of Lupercalia. Yes, I am going to ask you about that. Of this. What, yeah. is, what was it? That is one weird holiday. Tell it us more. <laughs> um, you seem to be a fan of it. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'd just like to watch it once, but from a place of safety. <laughs> so it had to do with the celebration of Romulus and Remus, um, the two figures supposedly who founded Rome, and they were suckled by a she-wolf. And so young men, virile young men, um, formed a kind of club, a, a kind of cult dedicated to this this event and these figures. And they would go down annually to the cave where supposedly little Romulus and Remus were raised um, and carry out various cult activities and sacrifice goats. And I forget what else they sacrificed, something nasty. But um, then they would supposedly carve up the hides of the sacrificed goats into sort of strips, like, you know, whips or something, and run sort of half naked through the streets of Rome, um, whipping people. And wow. in particular, whipping women. Um, it was a, obviously an erotically fertility-based kind of, I mean, it was the birth of the city, right? And pregnant women apparently thought it was good luck to get, you know, whacked by one of these goat strips. And then later on, scholars suggested there was some sort of like auctioning off of unmarried women or something. But I think that's one of those Rome was a really decadent place type rumor. Huh. So then why does the Feast of St. Valentine replace this holiday? Yeah. See, who knows whether it did. What we oh. know only is that Pope Gelasius in the late, five, late 400s, uh, 5th century, did two things. He was the first to declare February 14th St. Valentinus's feast day. And he also ordered that pagan holidays no longer be celebrated. None of those old pagan whipping people or other terrible things uh, in Rome. And so scholars have put those two together uh, and suggested that he, Gelasius, made St. Valentine's Day to substitute for Lupercalia. Uh, I don't know if Gelasius had it together that much, but possibly. <laughs> So how does the how, how do these, you know, Valentines, uh, these political religious martyrs become the patrons of romantic love? Such a great question. I mean, that connection just seems so odd to me. To me, too. And the, the explanation that folks have figured out strikes me as a little tenuous, but it's the best one they've come across. So first, you have to realize that um, I love this part. Saints sort of change in their reputations and their, their origin stories over the ages, right? I mean, just look at St. Nicholas or St. Patrick. And um, people worship the saint, no, I'm sorry, venerate the saint that, um, you know, is the right kind of patron for them. So you know how saints have specialties. Right. Um, so St. Valentinus originally was sort of a patron saint of curing epilepsy, because in those stories about curing the jailer's daughter or the um, the son of uh, um, the man who summoned him to Rome, 
supposedly one or the other of them had the falling sickness, had epilepsy. So, you know, if you see that in a saint's legend, that's what you do. You go visit the saint's tomb or someplace dedicated to him, ask him to ask God for help with your epilepsy. And the early pictures we have of him, whether they're in manuscripts or uh, later on in woodblock prints, they're Valentine as a bishop standing over someone writhing on the floor, um, you know, ill. But uh, for the the connection with, with love, it's not about Valentine passing notes in jail or, you know, helping soldiers get married. The connection with love was much, much later, almost a thousand years after Valentine lived. No, more than a thousand years, in fact. Um, and the guy everyone blames for it is Geoffrey Chaucer, the author of the Canterbury Tales that probably you and everybody else was forced to read in high school or college or something. You know, one that April with is short or sota. So um, he was writing another poem, the Parliament of Fowls, an allegory in which all the characters are birds. And he just made a reference to uh, February 14th as the day when birds come to choose their mates. You know, so it's a day the birds get together and, you know, do it. <laughs> and it somehow got picked up by his poet, fellow poets and writers, people in his circle. You know, Christine de Pizan, the famous French writer, mentioned it. People started calling their friends, their valentines. Um, Shakespeare wrote it into Hamlet. So uh, uh, as far as we can tell, you know, Chaucer writing about birds created the modern version of St. Valentine's Day. It just seems like he picked it out of thin air, pretty much. Yes. Yes. He could have said February 16th or, you know, yeah. March 1st. Or something. And frankly, having been in England many times in February 15th, I don't think it's the start of spring, but... <laughs> It doesn't feel romantic when you're no, wearing not all. At all. <laughs> so th this was something that we discussed in our episode, um, but we definitely we need some clarity on this <laughs> because we <laughs> went back and forth <laughs> during the medieval, medieval times. Why was religion so threatening? I, I know this probably sounds very basic, but we couldn't put our finger down on it. No, uh, tell me what you mean by threatening. Um, like. Why, why were there so many wars about it? Oh, oh, well, excuse me. That was after the Middle Ages, really. Um, that was when people got tired of paying, you know, um, um, dues to the Catholic Church and paying for ceremonies and leaving gifts to the saints. And, you know, there were a lot of scandals in the papacy that made them doubt the the need for the institution. And there was a a sort of parliamentary, pre-parliamentary wind blowing through Europe. Um, and so church councils, uh, one after another, started issuing criticisms of the papacy. And, and you know, there was that thing called the Renaissance going on, free thinking, science. And it all sort of culminated with some um, priests, monks in Germany and um, Switzerland, um, declaring themselves good Christians, but the Pope, a phony, basically, no need for the Pope, no need for saints cults. Um, and so, you know, that's where Martin Luther comes into history and posts a list of these things on the door of the church. And um, people see the sense in that. Um, not only him, but a number of reformers came along and were, were followed. And the thing is that, you know, kings or dukes or whatever uh, chose sides, uh. depending on not only their faith, but on their politics. So, you know, England famously 
Henry VIII decides he doesn't need a pope because he's the head of the English church because he wants to divorce one of his wives or so the legend goes. Um, in Germany, there was there was a terrible long century or two of, of bloodshed. So it seemed like free thinking, bad religion gave you power, essentially. Um, free thinking wasn't bad. No, but um, it was critical of Christian institutions, both Catholic and Protestant. Um, and it wasn't really or so we're told by history books until a couple centuries later that you know, it became okay not to be so religious in, uh. in any faith tradition. You know, I'm thinking here of Voltaire and people like that, Diderot. But um, uh, it was always okay to, to not be that religious. I mean, how could anyone check on you? There were no religion police. The Inquisition, <laughs> that was a specialized institution to deal with people mostly in Iberia and Mexico. Um, so, you know, I mean, no one would know whether you believed or not. They only know whether you would show up at the, the saint's tomb and pray or something like that. So at the end of the day, if you had to pick one person or thing, it can be a concept that you think is to blame for the execution of St. Valentine. Who or what would that be? Ooh, you know, historians never like to do that kind of thing. I got the willies <laughs> just talking about Chaucer just now. Um, it, you know, it it um, is probably whatever... Whatever official, sorry, it, it's probably uh, if you're talking about hands on the man, it would be whatever official carried out the Roman law uh, that was a patriotic law that was to round up subversive Christians and put them in jail. And if they persisted, execute them. Mm. We don't know who that is. Uh, we have no idea. Um, you a know. Yeah. Mysterious political figure. Yeah political prisoner, essentially, although also kind of a, you know, long winded talker if the saints lives are at all correct. <laughs> um, so so this person who would have actually had to carry out the law would essentially be the one to blame. Uh, unless you think that an, an executioner is a tool of the state, which he was, uh -huh. you know, I mean, they were executing all sorts of terrible murders and so forth, right and left at the same time. Um, so subversive sort of rebellious slaves, everybody that did a wrong to the state uh, egregiously would be killed by the same kinds of persons. Huh. So then you could blame the em previous emperors for outlawing Christianity, or you could blame sort of blowhard public performing Christian leaders who wanted to get themselves martyred, right? Or, you know, I mean, you can go on and on. Wow. Well, Professor Patel, thank you so much for, you know, shedding so much light on the subject. <laughs> A nice Valentinian metaphor there. It doesn't explain anything about chocolate and roses, though. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll keep searching. We're not okay. going to give up. <laughs> We're romantics over here. Excellent. <laughs> thank remember, you so much. There are bits and pieces of St. Valentine's body all over Europe in different churches. So, you know, lots of places to go on St. Valentine's Day. Oh, that's so romantic. What a yeah. great recommendation. Yeah, you can visit his skull. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash alarmist. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello, everyone. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. So a lot of really good ideas. Uh, first of all, a lot of interesting, uh, a lot of insight and a lot of really good ideas for what to do for Valentine's Day if you haven't already decided uh, what what you're gonna do? Do you know what we're gonna do for Valentine's Day? We're gonna go see uh, some skulls. Oh, we're gonna go mm. see some skulls. That's right. That's exciting. Very <laughs> so Shakespearean. Thank- <laughs> mm-hmm. Human or bird skulls uh, or I don't want to ruin the surprise. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm so <laughs> yeah. excited. That's gonna be great. Uh, Clayton, what are you gonna do? Are bones in your future? <sighs> you know, they might be now. I guess that's uh, I guess that's part of the new tradition now that we know. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't ignore it. So a lot of uh, notes I saw you guys taking. Yes. I mean, how about that Roman Empire? The Roman Empire was in shambles, according to uh, Dr. Patel. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was really interesting as a sort of backdrop. Not something you think of when you think of the Holy Roman Empire. You think of 
strength and you know they have all the big armies and you know uh roman baths and um <laughs> you're thinking of slaves. pompeii the <laughs> yeah i'm mostly thinking about that show rome on uh oh <laughs> <laughs> on hbo but uh but anyway i just thought it was interesting to think of that and it created a lot of um chaos or what have you um sort of a fractured fractured state yeah once again really confirmed our suspicion that we would not want to live uh, at, during this time period what a bloody bloody time period mm-hmm. we should you all know? be really grateful as we walk down the street with our modern conveniences that we're not being beheaded for our religious <laughs> beliefs i don't know yeah yeah and just <laughs> as a, a as a point of comparison for living in the modern age uh, our dogs are barking, and my first instinct was to pick up my phone to text them to stop barking. Mm. Which it took me a second to realize they don't—they're dogs; they don't have phones. But it's just funny how we're so uh, now we live in the technology age. Mm-hmm. And you know and what? In two sixty, they would not have had that convenience. No, no, no. That's for. And you know what? I'm so sure of that. I'm not going to ask Professor. Battelle, yeah, yeah, about that. No, we don't need her input on that because we know already. We know now. Oh, oh, oh! The the we we realize that you know, you got this. Men men were not forced to not get married. Yes, they could marry. I thought that was um a bit of old-fashioned fake news. That's right. Mm -hmm. So that this is why we need our guest experts. Yep, uh, just to clarify so that was a shocker that's on us that's on the fact checking department i've talked to my guys we had a real (laughs) long talk in the locker room after the last game and uh we are we feel we that's on us that's Uh on us Mm -hmm. but you know what it happens because it looks like it's it's a narrative that has been told for many years yeah just like the the fact that you know apparently uh chaucer was the one who just kind of it feels like invented Valentine's, mm-hmm. you know, put love on Valentine. It had nothing to do mm-hmm. with over that, like over say. a thousand years later, she said. Yeah. Yeah. Just and uh, you know what? The Hallmark Company has been unnecessarily and inaccurately maligned for their role in Valentine's Day. You know what? And maybe we owe them an apology as a society. Mm. Wow. I mean, it isn't a Hallmark holiday. It's, if anything, it's a Chaucer holiday. (laughs) Right, but Chaucer is not making money off of it. (laughs) You don't know that. You don't know where that is. I mean, maybe his estate is somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. It's possible. You're right. I don't know that. So I'm not going to say anything further. (laughs) Well, in terms of also just sort of like history and the fact that it's so... You know, it just kind of happens and then we sort of apply these traditions or stories to them as it sort of suits our needs. I also thought it was interesting what uh, Dr. Patel said about the saint reputations and about how they kind of change over time based on, I guess, modern sort of needs or whatever Mm. sort of Mm -hmm. modern society kind of adapts to it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I thought that was really interesting to think of that. Yeah. And towards the end, you know, her mentioning that perhaps... These uh, religious, you know, uh, martyrs, maybe it was like the thing to do. You right. Know, they were kind of chasing that martyrdom mm-hmm. just because, I don't know, they wanted a, a their name in history, mm-hmm. in the history books. A compelling narrative. She said something at one point that I found interesting. She said it was like um, 
you know, that was their lucky day when they got to finally be with God. You know, it seems like a really interesting take on death where it's like, oh, it's not like your sad, tragic death. It's like, this is the day you finally get to be with your maker. Mm, mm-hmm. Feels like, again, really bleak times. When- <laughs> <laughs> Anything's better than what you're doing day to day. When that's what you're look for, looking forward to. Jeez. Yeah. God. Pro- uh, major props to all of those uh, who lived during the medieval times. Mm-hmm. for surviving and uh, letting getting us to where we are right now yeah, so that we could have cell phones to text our dogs. Yep, mm. and, and uh, riced cauliflower as well, which is so convenient. You just <laughs> yeah, pop that's that a right great on the- new modern thing that we're all in love with, oh. riced cauliflower. <laughs> they, you know what? It's a crazy. They probably, that was to starch. <laughs> and you don't even have to take out the knife. You just pop that. You open it right up, uh-huh. right out of the freezer. You put that right on the pan, a little olive oil, salt and pepper. Boom, you're ready so to go. So easy. Mm. And you're healthy. Mm-hmm. And you're shedding shedding those pounds. Um, now, what do we think? Because she, Professor Battelle put the blame on the people who actually carried out the beheading. Yeah. And the, she was pretty practical like, about it. Yeah. And yeah. these, we, there are no names. There's no way to know who ordered it, who carried it right. out. She did the responsible historian thing to do, which is to basically deflect that question and be like, look, <laughs> the world isn't just like a podcast yeah, where she's you a true just professional. put mm-hmm. one thing in a, an alarmy jail. She kind of challenged us in that regard. And so, you know, I think as podcasters, we need to push back against that responsible historian uh, perspective <laughs> and shove somebody in jail. Just pick one person, almost like put a blindfold on and just pick one person or thing. Mm. <laughs> Shove them right in jail. Well, well, Clayton, can you remind us who we ended up sending to jail and who we slapped? We threw Emperor Claudius II in jail, and we slapped February 14th, the day, <laughs> the legendary day for all that it represents, past and present and future. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay. Kind, I of, mean, kind of there. Yeah. I mean, she seemed to... When, when she... She mentioned that she would blame more the previous emperor who mm-hmm. said Christianity was illegal, right? Who, um, right. He set it up. I mean, that's if we're like really pulling back, right? It's like how broad. Like, Cla- it doesn't seem like Claudius really cared at the time. He was just like, whatever, go on. I, I want to get more land. He he had like his goals and killing Valentine was, didn't seem to align with his goals at the time. Yeah. He was just like a good army brat, like mm-hmm. raised through the army. Which it's like a really interesting picture of him. Like that's where he like really thrived. And that's like what all he was really concerned about. He wasn't really like this anti-Christian crusader. Right. So should we then put the previous emperor mm. in the alarmist jail? Or should we just like, should we send the blood like... The Roman, you know, the Roman Empire, really, the the violence, the bloodshed of the Roman Empire. I think we kind of went down that road and we sort of rolled that into Claudius as mm. sort of the leader of it. Because right? mm-hmm. it's like at the end of the day, he's the man you know, in charge. Who's the CEO? So. Who's in charge? You know, it's okay. like. Yeah. I, I mean, we he, could go the religion route, which was on the board. We folded that into I don't know what we folded that into, but it seems a little broad to just blame yeah. good old fashioned broad religion for the beheading of St. Valentine. 
No, I, I, I'm with you. I think let's stick to Claudius II just because we can't really put a face to the name of the people who went on with the actual beheading of St. Valentine. So I, because of that, I think he was the one in charge at the time. Mm-hmm. And he, he ordered make- it, right? Didn't he, or- he, didn't he order it? I, I, I believe it's unclear because because. Uh, uh, well, there's a couple of them. Yeah, and also mm. Professor Patel made it seem like that would have been more of a local decision, right. you know? Right. It's sort of like blaming Biden for gas prices where it's like, uh, it's more complicated than that, but at the end of the day, like people do, they just do. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, "Oh, it's his, he's the president, it's his fault." And uh-huh. so sometimes as I think, you know, when we look back in in historical moments that are chaotic and confusing you know you just kind of have to shrug your shoulders and be like okay that guy was in charge let's put put this thing to bed (laughs) you know what he's gonna go in with these mysterious political uh ruler like local political rulers oh it's gonna be um they're gonna be following him into into the jail um it's gonna they're gonna have you can't really see the face it's gonna be blurry but they're gonna be really creepy (laughs) blurry faced (laughs) Municipal alley yeah, leaders. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think we we keep keep February fourteenth. Oh my God, we didn't even talk about the crazy pagan holiday. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> wow. How did we miss that? I wrote one of my notes was pregnant women liked getting whipped by goat strips. Yes. Or something and that... then you wrote okay next to it. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> that was a note, a note I took from Professor Patel. These Romans, so. they were crazy. <laughs> Don't say we don't teach you anything on this podcast. <laughs> Alarmy. Wow. Um, okay, so I, I we we learned so much. We we clarified a lot. I feel like I had a better understanding of why mm-hmm. religion was, you know, such a big deal, uh, such a powerful thing, you know. Sure. At the time, um, why it caused so wreaked so much havoc. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> Um, and yeah, I'm just grateful we get to talk to so many smart people on this show. Yes. They help cool us out a lot people for sure. who know their stuff and are really excited about it. Like Dr. Patel, Patel was. Yeah. So, uh, before we go, Clayton, are there, how are we doing on these rev- reviews that we really need, um, just to keep the show going and keep spreading the word? I, th- yes, I think. We um, can always we can always use more. Um, okay. Hold on. Let me see if there's a fun new one. Mm. And if there isn't, then that's okay too, because you know what that means. We don't have a new one, and we need your help. If you have not written a review, subscribed, given us a rating on Apple Podcast, please do so, because this is a. Uh, this is what keeps us alive it's over what, here yes, at the it's our, it's our food. I just want to share this quick fun one that I, I mean, I'm biased, but you'll understand once I read it. It's from Kitty Girl and it says disasters, but funny. And it says, Rebecca and the gang bring the fun to all the doom and gloom they cover. Hot take. Capitalism is to blame for everything. <laughs> there you go. So <laughs> she's cl- really singing my tune. Mm. That's St. Clayton. Capitalism is going to come to head me and then you guys will make me a saint and that'll all be worth it. <laughs> um, well, we look forward to your sainthood uh, one day, 
not your beheading, but your sainthood sure. ceremony. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, tune in next week because we are going to be discussing the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. It's a big one. Powered by ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.